Stanley, shut the fuck up. <laughs> what that's are you mailing about? That's how the episode started, right? Yeah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Deadly Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bat film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. And that's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. I love glitches. And with me today, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. I can't help but laugh that that yours loaded right up and mine was like, <laughs> load, load, load. Ugh. It's okay. It's okay, Mo. It's okay. We're back. We're, we're, we're getting through some of these uh, little hiccups. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of changes made in the last uh, two weeks or so since we last recorded. This yeah. is going to be a really special episode, I think. And hopefully a really short one. Why, hopefully? <laughs> Come on, man. You know why. Why? Because this movie just bored me to tears. I disagree. I mean, I, I mean, don't. Dis- I, mean, I don't. Dis- was- I can't disagree that it bored you to tears. That would be unfair for me yeah. to say. <laughs> Though I don't think you were you were literally crying. No, 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 no. But there were moments in the film where I was literally cringing. Cringing. Yeah. Cringing isn't so bad. No. Uh, the movie that Mo is referring to is 1987's Necromantic, which is what we're covering this week on. No budget nightmares. Now, the thing about no- Necromantic is that it was one of those films back in like the nineties when I was living in Newfoundland and I was getting into a bunch of cult movies and shit like that. It was one of those movies that I had in my mind to like. I was I'd always thought of it whenever I'd read about it that it was so dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Right. It, it was in the. It was like. It was like. It's German. <laughs> <laughs> it's about people fucking corpses. So that combination of those two things, it was like this is like this is worse than the worst kind of porn, right? Like this is this is approaching that that taboo um, snuff film level almost. Well, this this is one of those this is one of those films like, I mean, because we're and it's hard to talk about this because we're from a different generation where you actually had to go and like look for stuff. Sure. Um, and like if you found any like really weird sort of like fetish kind of thing. Um, then, then it was like this weird world that was like outside of the norm and you'd never really seen anything like that before, you know, but now you can just go online and look for, you know, anything and find it. You literally can find this movie on YouTube right now, which is, which, I mean, it blows my mind. I remember not only could I not have gotten it from my local video store, not even close, but, but like I would have had to have sent away to a different province, likely a different country in order to get a copy of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, on the other hand, yeah, I did actually find this at my local video store, <laughs> so, you know, but that but that place was sort of known for having a really wild uh, cult section and, a, and an even better uh, foreign film section, so right. this being German and a cult film, the likelihood of them having it is, was very high. And it's very German. It's very German. It's very to the, German. To the, to the point that we have no dialogue audio clips today. Um because unlike the Burning Moon, where at least we have like "fuck you," "fuck you," nothing like that in this. So, yeah. and actually, the dialogue in this is pretty sparse to begin with. So, I mean, this is an entirely. I mean, this it cannot be put in the same category as the Burning Moon. This no. is uh, this is meant to be. Uh, I, I think I, it's hard to call it an art film, but it is. It's a it's a very <laughs> no. Actually, actually, I was gonna say an art film is probably a pretty accurate yeah term, term to use for this. Yeah, that's. I think that's what. Uh, I think that's what uh, I believe his name is Jorg Bootgreit. 
I'd say uh, Bukarite. Bukarite. I'll go with that. Um, was uh, was was trying to uh, to accomplish. You know, I have, I have, Mo. I have to say, and I know that you didn't, you don't love your recent experience with Negromantic, but I have a lot of respect for York, but also this movie in particular. Sure, beca- sure. Mostly because, to, in my mind, if you're dealing, if you're making an independent film, right, mm-hmm. and you're making it, and you're, you want to make it so people will pay attention to it, and you don't have much money, but you have a certain amount of skill, and you have the ability to do this, then why not make something? That is different than anyone has ever seen before, and well, is yeah. pushing the envelope in a way that you know. I mean, he went as far as you can really go. <laughs> I say, I mean, at the time, certainly at I the mean, time, at the time, yeah. But I mean, there isn't is there isn't this huge number of corpse fucking movies that you can kind of point to and say, well, they really did it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, I can you can probably count. Uh, the number of films that really focus on necrophilia in probably on like one hand. Yeah, it's not a popular topic. I don't know why. I, neither do I, man. It's it's pretty sexy stuff. Mm, this movie has some sexy, saucy moments. <laughs> yeah. Saucy is not the word to use. Man. <laughs> you know, necrophilia is uh, is sort of one of those taboos that has really remained a taboo. Uh, you see it in sort of uh, comical. Forms like you'll see it with like even Necromantic has some some real dark comedy to it, but it, it I wouldn't call it a comedy. No. Um, but when you see it in other contexts, it's almost always something like funny. And of uh, course, the the first example of that that always pops into my head is Clerks. Uh, you know what? The first one that came to mind for me was Flesh for Frankenstein, okay. even though yeah. it's not not exclusively uh, about uh, about necrophilia. And I also sure. you know what the other thing that came to mind was, and this is going to make me sound like such a doofus. Is uh, remember on uh, in the WWE? I guess it might have been <laughs> WWF at the time when uh, Triple H had sex with um, the corpse. Uh, do you remember what I'm talking about? The Katie, no. Katie, someone's and and, and it, it, Jill is looking at me and shaking her head, and I can't blame her. Um, uh, neither and, can I, man. Because because look, look, if this is something from back in, in that era of of wrestling, and I don't know what it is, then this that's serious. <laughs> well, it uh, at the at the time it was incredibly controversial. Katie Vick, that's who it was, uh, and he, he, I think Katie Vick was supposed to be Kane's girlfriend. And there's oh, a part, Katie. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally and there's remember. a part where he says, "I screwed her brains out," and he like has brains in his hand. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh man, I have wasted my life watching shit. Yeah, well, I mean, actually, uh, the only reason I, I hate I hate to admit this is the only reason why I remember that storyline now is because they brought it back up again um, <laughs> for the raw like one thousandth episode of whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think there was like a scene where uh, Kane is in like a group therapy session, <laughs> and, he, and he starts and he starts going through all of the ridiculous storylines that he's been involved in. He goes, well, one time, one time I had a girlfriend. Her name was Katie. We won't mention anything else about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, there hasn't been a lot of uh, molesting of dead bodies uh, in a sexual manner in popular culture, but it has been known to happen, usually in a comical form. Yeah. But necromantic, it it goes, like, it's explicit in a way that a lot of those are not. Uh, and it's also, it just, the way that it approaches its sort of subject matter uh, is with, it, it has an artistic intent to it in the sense that it is trying to say something. Now, what it's trying to say is co- kind of obvious and, and uh, it, it's 
what like a twenty-two-year-old or whatever would probably make their movie about. Yeah. But but you know I, I have a I have a lot of respect for what it's trying to do, even if sometimes it's difficult to watch, not because of the content, because it's just sort of slowly paced. It is very slowly paced. It's slowly paced. It's sparse. That's the word, right? Because there's <laughs> between the action, there's a lot of uh, death. <laughs> well, you know, you know the thing that you know the thing that I that I that I get a kick out of. I mean, like this film really sh- it should have been a short film. It shouldn't have been full hmm. length. I mean, and technically, it's not full length. That's right? true. So, I mean, it, it, but that's the thing, right? It's I don't think it's there's not necessarily a lot of filler in it. No, nah. <laughs> I would argue. I would argue that. Well, when we go through every moment of it, I guess we'll know. (laughs) (laughs) When there are huge chunks that we can skip right over because nothing happens, then we'll know who's right on that one. I guess what I mean is that there are not scenes that have been added as filler, but you're right. Scenes do go on too long, uh, and sometimes characters are just kind of standing there. There, I mean, there is some really inspired stuff, and like the, the inspired stuff is so out there that I can see why this film is still kind of spoken about in hushed terms in some crowd. Do people even speak about movies in hushed terms anymore? I remember when like the guinea pig films were like so fucking dangerous that the <laughs> FBI was coming to Charlie Sheen's house. Yeah, I was going to say, because of fucking Charlie Sheen. <laughs> but, but even hey, man, now... I saw this movie. <laughs> I just did some blow when I was watching this movie. And this chick got killed, man. <laughs> she was Japanese. You know how fucked up they are. You know, <laughs> you know the Japanese and the tentacles and shit. <laughs> but it's crazy because now those movies that I used to read about in like like video search of Miami catalogs. Now it's like, oh, you want to see that? Well, I'll, let me just grab it and we'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's and it, and it cracks me up because like because those guinea pig films in particular were like the only thing I could never get my hands on for the longest right. time, and uh, and finally I found like three of them online somewhere, and so I watched them and I'm like. This movie's a fucking like sixty minute tech demo. Like, yeah, that's what they are. They're they're yeah. FX demos, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, like there's no story. I mean, I, I get I get that the idea is that they're supposed to just be like they're supposed to be quote unquote snuff films. Um, <laughs> until you until I think I think until you get to either the third or fourth one, the Mermaid when, in the Manhole one is the one I always remember because there's actually a story around it. Yeah, and. Uh, but uh, but I remember one. I remember the, the one of the one of the ones that really got me was there was a scene where there's a chick who's tied face down onto a, a board or a table, and a dude pours hot oil on her back. Right. And it starts bubbling up, and I remember thinking how awesome that effect is, and how somebody could think that that was real. But then they proceeded to stick a needle through their eye, and it was and it was the fakest thing I ever saw. So it's like, okay, well, they have one really good effect followed by one really horrible effect. You know, I remember when they released the box set of those films, and uh, the local video store here, that kind of art video store, which has sadly gone out of business, uh, they got the box set, and I was Uh like, this is an entirely different world we're living in now, where where you can get the box. Set of these movies next to the box set of the Ilsa movies, and and it's like I can just I can literally walk five minutes and just rent them and take them home and watch it in the comfort of my home <laughs> instead of kind of getting it into in like a, a an unlabeled paper bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to, like you have, to, you have to go into a CD back room in order that's to get them. Right. And that's exactly the, that's exactly what the case was with Necromantic for a mm-hmm. long time. You had to you really had to sneak around to try to find it. But now it's not. I mean, I have like the fucking like the the Serbian film and or I should say a Serbian film. Or like, um, you know, the human centipede and stuff like sure. that, where it's like, you know, it takes that shock value to like a crazy new level. Though I would but, say that that necromantic, even at this point, is more directly shocking than the human centipede is. 
the first human centipede. The human first one, yes. That's yeah. that's that's what I'm referring to in this yeah, yeah. case. Uh, that that one just has an idea. This one has an idea and sort of the detail of that idea, which sure. is and you know the 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 disgusting moments are in the details. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the actual movie. Then. Okay. Speaking of disgusting moments. Because it opens with a disgusting moment. Well, it really opens with a warning that disgusting moments are to come. Oh, well, true. In fact, let me read the warning. Some of this film, some of this film may be seen as grossly, in quotation marks, quotation offensive, mark. and should not be shown to minors, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Can't argue with that. No. <laughs> and well, actually, we... you know, it's funny because I had, I had two options today. I Like, last the last time we recorded, or it might have been the last, no, you know what, never mind. It was for the, my last show. Um, I, was, I did an experiment and I watched the movie at what what's going to be my new house, you know, mm-hmm. and like here in this house, I'm alone. So I can watch whatever I want, whenever I want. I don't have to think <laughs> twice about it, you know, and over there, like I ended up watching for the last uh, drunk on VHS, which I don't think is even up on couch cutter yet, but it's on iTunes already. So explain that to me. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, but I watched blood massacre at my new place where there are, where there are two, toddlers and a nine-year-old oh okay. you know okay <laughs> and uh and, and i mean and they didn't really pay too much attention to, to what i was doing but i i didn't quite think it would have been appropriate to watch necromantic around them you know I, and and i didn't really feel like watching it huddled in a corner with headphones on so i just came home what's uh, your first memory son <laughs> <laughs> My uncle showing me a movie where a woman fucks a dead guy. Uh, I, uh, to be honest, Mo, most of my viewings of the movies for No Budget Nightmares is, as you stated, huddled in a corner with a pair of headphones on. Well, that's because, just because Jill hates them. Uh, yes, and in fact, if she knew some of what I was watching in this film, she'd be like, why are you wasting your time? Why do you record this podcast? What the hell are you doing? Are you kidding me? Half the time I was watching this movie, I'm like, why am I wasting my time? Well, fair enough. The movie also begins with a quote from V.L. Compton, uh, which says, What lives that does not live from the death of someone else? He's talking about Jesus. Maybe. But we can also <laughs> see it as uh, we are all part of a cycle or sure. circle of life where we die and the ground, it eats us up, the ground doesn't, it takes all of our good bits, and then it spews it out in uh, other forms of life. Well, Hakuna Matata. That's right. When I was a young warthog... Uh. And he was a young warthog. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the movie begins in a um, after those those pieces of text in a, in a slightly more um, unpleasant fashion. <laughs> you know, it's funny when when the scene when the movie opens opens up in its first actual like shot. I thought that it was somebody. I thought I actually thought it was a dude. Yes. First, uh, and, and I thought that they were like laying a map or something out on the ground and then peeing on it. Right. And then and then when they when they stood up and pulled the, and pulled the underwear up, I'm like, oh shit, that was underwear. <laughs> and then when and then when I realized it was a woman, I'm like, what? That was a woman. <laughs> so for those who haven't interpreted what Mo just said, there's a woman taking a piss at the beginning of it. Yes. Uh, and it's it's done. I mean. We have talked on different occasions, uh, specifically when we were talking to, to Todd Sheets, about how no-budget and ultra-low-budget filmmaking, that sometimes there's a, a bit of a punk attitude to it. Well, starting your movie with someone pissing right in front of the camera, that's a very punk thing to do. It's about as punk as it gets. That's right. And this is a very punk movie. I mean, it really is. Even well, down to the, the handwritten titles and things like that. Yeah. I like it's, that. 
Yeah, and you can and you can see where where movies like Holy Moly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get their inspiration from this sort of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, we we've uh, part of the aesthetic that we love in no budget films is kind of the handmade, handwritten, right? There's something that you can see that's very physical, uh, and this movie has that in in spades. Mo, oh, there you are. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got distracted because that's how I roll. Oh, okay. Well, this woman is uh, half of a couple, uh, and uh, they're actually driving somewhere. Who, who cares where they're Who knows? Driving? Who cares? It's, not, it's never explained, and it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Her boyfriend uh, tells her to hurry the fuck up and get in the car. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and they, they start driving. She opens up a map. Um, they start arguing about like where they are and like, I think, I think my favorite line is she goes, she goes, where are we? And he just looks at her and goes, you're the one with the fucking map. (laughs) Yeah. The gentleman in this case is a very unpleasant character, uh, but it's okay because something terrible is about to happen to him. (laughs) Yeah. He reaches over to try to, to try to grab the map from her or to find something on the map and he's not exactly paying attention to the road and kablammo. Kablammo. And it's, uh, the, the car crash in this case, we don't actually see see the crash it's done with a sort of a the camera moving around yeah, and some camera bright lights and lighting and effects like yeah and with that we get the title card necromantic it's a pretty great title by the way even now when i say it to people uh it it does a lot of the work for you in terms of it, explaining it does all the work for you <laughs> yeah. i mean like if, if i say if i say to somebody i'm gonna watch the movie necromantic what do you think it's about if they don't say people fucking the dead then they have no imagination People fucking people. Yeah. <laughs> Dead people. Uh, yes, yeah, so we get the title card. With up to this point, the music is all kind of synthesizery and kind of uh, not that great. But there's some really good music to come in this movie. Yeah, actually, the movie that... Uh, the movie, listen to me. The music that they promoted the film with, like in the trailer, mm-hmm. um, which we do have uh, a clip from, is fantastic. It's It's one of the best pieces of movie music, I think... I don't know best, but one of my favorites, at least. It's it's really great. After the title card, uh, we actually see the result of the car crash, uh, where the um, the the two people in the car, the woman has been cut in half. It's pretty and, grim. Yeah, it's pretty gross, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's they, it's one of those effects where she's buried in the ground, and they have like the bottom half and the organs and stuff kind of hanging out. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. And and the guy is uh, still in the car, but he's kind of got pushed into the back seat with like, his eye hanging out. Sexy. It's gross, dude. It is but, pretty gross. Know, we know what we're in for at this point, especially because uh, four people in hazmat suits or kind of plastic like, suits. Like Tyvek suits. Exactly. Uh, they they start picking up the body parts. Isn't this strange? With no gloves. No gloves on, right? <laughs> Nothing at all. They're not spraying it down or anything. They're just Nothing. picking just up picking body parts. shit up. <laughs> the, the the movie ha- does have kind of a a blackly comedic edge to it, and the very fact like that they work for a company called Joe's Street Cleaning Agency. Yeah, the is- only their only job is is to clean up these gruesome accidents and like murder scenes and stuff. And people actually have this job. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, didn't they make what was that movie a few years ago about people cleaning up after murder sites and things like that? It's like a, a romantic comedy. Uh. Come on, Mo. You know romantic comedies. Well, I'm a big fan of romantic comedies, but no, I have no idea what that is. Sunshine? Is that in the title? <laughs> oh, is that the Sunshine Cleaning Company? Maybe. That, that sounds like a movie. That sounds like a movie title. That, I think that might be it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is the kind of thing that these folks do, except they do it in a much more uh, lackadaisical fashion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah it's, it really, it really is amazing how just, just how like straight faced and. 
and, or blank faced. I really should say. Yes, like they, they do. Like they just go about their work and. Yeah, no joking around. It's no. very much they're gonna, they, you know, they're cutting through the metal to drag the body out. They're picking off the guy's eyeball and putting it in. A, in yeah, it's it's <laughs> something else. So they get back to their office, uh, the Joe's Street Cleaning Agency, I suppose. The JSA. Uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, and uh, we we get introduced to some of the characters. The immediate superior to the main character. The main character is named Robert, uh, and his superior in the company is named Bruno. Uh, and Bruno has a mustache and is kind of a dick. Yeah, I, and, I love the fact that when they get back to the off, to, to, they get back to the agency headquarters. Like that, that uh, like I love the artistic decision to show a man peeing. Yeah, they show a guy taking a piss. Yeah, and it's the messiest piss I think I've it's, ever it's, seen. It's a messy. Uh, it's a. <laughs> it, there's um. It's German, right? So yeah. it's likely that the uncircumcised penis uh, led to a little extra drippage. A lot uh, of drippage. A lot of drippage going on. Maybe too much, but uh, <laughs> he washes his hands, so that's something. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's a lot of pee for this level of the film so far, like up to this point. Yeah, we're only like three minutes into the movie at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so and, we and see, so, and so far we've had two urinations. <laughs> so we find out that Bruno is kind of upset at Robert's performance at the job, and that will come into play later. But then we really get to see who the main character is, and this is Robert Schmatke, I think his name is pronounced, except sure. a little bit uh, played by uh, Bernd Doctari Lorenz, <laughs> uh, and he comes home, and he has a bit of an unusual apartment, wouldn't you say, Mo? Yeah, I would. He, he has a lot of jars. He's a bit of a collector. He's a collector. Yeah. And th- this isn't so unusual. I've seen that show Oddities. People like to have jars of weird shit in their house. Yeah, like I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm a collector. I can understand. Uh, Morgan uh, Freeman says, this guy's a collector. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so he's got jars of body parts and whatnot. So he's uh, kind of obsessive uh, about that sort of thing. And we see him come home, and he actually has taken the eyeball from the crime scene, and he puts it in one of the jars. Yeah, he put. Yeah, he, well, he puts an eyeball in a, in a fresh jar. Yes, and then, I, and then I believe is this the one where he put? Or does this is that the one where he puts the heart in the? Jar? Yes, he puts that in a jar as well. Yeah. Uh, and we get to see some of his collection. There appears to be a hand and a fetus. And a fetus. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gross. <laughs> It is pretty gross. Because think of, think about it. I mean, like, you know, what did he have to do to get that fetus? Well, what does anyone have to do to get a fetus? Well, bang a chick. <laughs> fetus, don't fail me now. Aww. <laughs> wow. So then, so then Betty, his girlfriend, arrives. Uh, and you might think, wow, she must be horrified by this bizarre collection that he has. But no. This is 1987. And uh, people were listening to a lot of dark and disturbing music at the time. <laughs> And Betty is goth as fuck. She's pretty fucking goth. Yeah, she she's she's totally into it. She's, she is. She's loving the. She's super into it. Yeah, because because then I think eventually they show the bed, and their bed is basically just made up of like chain link and fucking yeah. bones. Yeah, yeah, it's like something out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's pretty fucked. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd be cool with that, don't you think? You you'd be cool with a bed with bones. Bed with bones? That's where I get my bone on anyway. <laughs> wah, wah. I know. I'm really on tonight. <laughs> so it goes, they kiss, uh, and then it cuts to uh, Betty, played by Beatrice Manowski, um, taking a bath. And not just any bath, she's wearing her sunglasses, and she's bathing in blood. She is, in fact, bathing in blood. Yeah, so she's dark. She, she she's hardcore about it. She's not even worried about that like urinary tract infection she could probably get from that or 
you know, any of that stuff. Uh, it's just what the mainstream wants us to think will happen if we bathe in possibly human blood. Uh, this performance, by the way, uh, is pretty... It's crazy brave. <laughs> like, she is, uh, she, you know, she is bathing... Not in real blood, obviously, but yeah. just... To, I guess you got to have a certain amount of confidence in yourself just to be in a movie about fucking dead bodies. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's definitely the standout performance in the yeah. film anyway. Yeah. While she's taking this bath, uh, Robert's in the other room and he's uh, w- watching a program on television that is, I think it's supposed to at least sum up some of the themes of the film. Uh, about it, it, There's someone talking about spiders and phobias. Phobias based around spiders. Yeah, spider they're, they're talking about like exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I think there is even one point where they talk about like people being, people getting over being afraid of dead bodies by being around them. Right, right. And he even mentions horror movies in it and how people become desensitized to it. And exactly. I mean, that's the idea of the film is that these people, uh, or at least Robert, as we'll get to see in just a moment, he had some sort of exposure to death which made him uh, desensitized to it, but not just desensitized. In his brain, love and death have sort of, sort of combined together. Oh, is that what that's supposed to be? Cause, I believe uh, so. The, the, we're talking about the rabbit scene now? Well, that's happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it, the camera kind of zooms in on Robert's head, and we get a look into his psyche. And the yeah. psyche includes... A real rabbit being really killed, really killed, and I gotta say, I did not like it one bit. You know, the funny—I didn't like the bloodletting. You know, like the actual like killing scene, right? Um, like once I found that one—I mean, once the rabbit was dead, I didn't really care anymore. You know, because meat's meat. You know, right. and, and, that, and that doesn't really bother me. Like seeing dead animals doesn't bother me. Watching them being killed, I don't appreciate. I don't like. I, you it, know, I, it, I mean, it, I. I it just makes me. It actually just makes me appreciate the people who like do that for a living that much more because it takes a certain mentality to be able to actually do that all day. I mean, if you've ever seen interviews or knew someone who worked on like the killing floor of some of these places, yeah. it it just sounds like the most horrific, horrible. I mean, desensitizing. I mean, I think there's enough. I think you can actually get post traumatic stress disorder. Sure. From li- working in that sort of thing. Yeah. The guy in this case, he's got the rabbit. He fu- he clubs it in the head, and it's really awful. I mean, I really didn't enjoy watching yeah. it. One I don't, I don't even. I don't even want to describe it. He just let's just say he kills the rabbit. Um, but the, but but then, like I said, but after after the rabbit's dead, I didn't care. Like I just didn't want to watch the animal die. Sure. Uh, you know, because because afterwards he skins the rabbit. Right. And to me, like that wasn't any different than like my high school uh, biology class where I had to dissect a uh, rat, and part of that was skinning the rat too. So it's it's you know whatever. That's that's not a big deal. Uh, you know, he he does everything you'd expect. You know, he guts it, he trims it, he cleans sure. it. Sure. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, it's not like he, it's not like he's killing it just for the fun of it and tossing it aside. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it, like it's obvious that he's that you know that that yeah, exactly. He didn't just cut the thing's throat and then throw it into the river, you know. Now, at the same time, it kind of cuts back and forth to uh, a scene of I think it's supposed to be Robert uh, at like an autopsy, autopsy table. So it's cutting from this animal being cut apart yeah. to a body being cut apart. In this exactly. case, the body's fake in this yeah. case. And it's, well, it's, and it's funny, like, when you, when you see what he's, you know, uh, like, what he's trying to do with the whole thing. But the problem is, is that, like, the, here, here's my problem with that. Like, like you see the cutting back and forth and, 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 the, and, and the analogy that they're trying to make with, with that whole thing. But it just, it really falls flat, in my opinion, because it just seemed like he was... Just obviously trying to be more shocking, right? You know, like if they had just kept it with the with them dealing with the rabbit, it would have made sense. 
you know, but throwing in the extra autopsy thing to try to make that comparison, just it just didn't work in my opinion. As much as I would have not liked to have seen it, if they had cut to actual autopsy footage, it might have been a little bit more it would effective. Have, it would have made more sense, yeah. Yeah. So we get that, <laughs> that whole thing. Uh, and then we cut to a, an entirely different scene. It, it goes to a next the next day. It's sort of this sunny, outdoor... Uh, like like backyard where yeah. a guy is relaxing and drinking and he has a gun. <laughs> Germany. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the best the best part about this scene is that is that when you um when you when somebody says to you German guy like this is basically the dude who pops into your head yeah. you know like this dude looks so German it's hilarious <laughs> the guy who the guy who jumped into your head that wasn't Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be this guy. Yeah, yeah, but 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 he would have been part of uh, Hitler's master race. Though. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, while this person is relaxing and kind of playing with his gun, uh, we actually get some really kind of nice triumphant music playing. Oh, this music is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When I sit in my backyard and drink beer and play with my gun. Yeah, the music is good, yeah. I like a good march, yeah. Yeah, I shoot my gun now, ha. <laughs> but I, lo- I love how it's just it's like this, it's just triumphant march, you know. <laughs> you have quite a bit of this music. <laughs> yeah, I told I told you I grabbed a lot of all of the mu- all of and the it, music. That's kind of easy to do because in this case the scene is is played pretty silent. You get this guy in one. I guess it's supposed to be like two. Well, neighbors. to use the German, it's shot mit at sound. Yes, mit at sound. <laughs> <laughs> and the neighbor uh, to this person who is relaxing with the gun, he uh, is climbing up on a ladder and uh, picking apples from it's, his apple. It's tree. the most obvious foreshadowing. <laughs> Uh, it's like, oh, okay, uh, so we've got a guy with a gun <laughs> who is clearly mishandling it. Yeah, and, um, is, and drinking, drinking. And drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another guy who is climbing a ladder to pick apples. Uh, and, oh, and what's that on the ground right but directly below him? Oh, it's a rake with, with <laughs> giant spikes sticking out of it. Okay, I, I wonder what's going to happen here. Well, uh, I'm glad that you put it together as he is uh, picking apples uh, <laughs> from his tree. Oh, is that the German for apple? Apple. I believe so. <laughs> did, did you do a lot of, like, language research on this one? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have to talk like this now. Uh, so Can we not? <laughs> so this uh, unnamed dude with his gun, he's, he sees a bird and he shoots at it like yeah, a he starts dick. taking pot shots. Um, and uh, in the process of taking shots at this bird, or a bird, he shoots his neighbor in the neck. <laughs> and, of course, the guy falls off the ladder, lands right on the rake. Right on the rake or, like, the garden implement with the spikes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and because this uh, first guy, uh, the very German guy, scary German guy, he puts the dude in his wheelbarrow and apparently just dumps the body. Well, he does He does the Good Samaritan thing and dumps the body in a river. That's right. Or, like, a stream or whatever. <laughs> so that means that the street crew, the Joe's uh, Street Cleaning the Agency. JSA, yeah. The JSA, the Justice League, sorry, the Justice Society of Street Cleaning, uh, <laughs> has to uh, go and pick up the corpse. And they do pull the corpse out of a swamp, and it is gross looking. I Yeah, it's really disgusting. It's really, really gross. But uh, You know uh, what it reminds me of a little bit? And, and I mean, it, it doesn't look that real. No. But there are scenes in, in, I think, the first Faces of Death where they yeah. show... 
uh, bodies being pulled out of uh, ponds, and it is like that stuff really gets to me. Yeah, uh, and it's it's thankfully it's not that. Like the bodies are not like re- like the body they pull out isn't all bloated. It's actually sort of desiccated, so it kind of fell apart. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's that, that's what actually kind of cracked me up about the whole thing is because yeah, normally when the body is pulled out of water, it's usually like you know like silvery and 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 bloated, you know. Right. And, and like th- thankfully for 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 us, the viewing audience that it. They failed <laughs> to be accurate in this particular scene. <laughs> Lucky for everybody in the film, as we'll, we'll see yeah. in a moment. Uh, so Bruno, um, the asshole who works, uh, who's kind of Rob's superior, he tells Rob to kind of dispose of the corpse. I guess Rob is kind of the lowest guy in the totem pole. So he's the new guy. He's the new guy. So he's got to dispose of the corpse, bring it to the incinerator or whatever the fuck he's supposed to do. But when tasked with this, he gets into the front seat of the car. I like that they take the time to to show his thought process where it's like, hmm, you know what I should do with this? Yeah. You, know, you know what makes more sense is I should take this home and fuck it. That's what I yeah, should do. I should. And you know who else would love it? Betty. Betty. <laughs> So, so uh, that's what he does. He takes the corpse home, and he's very excited about it. She, he comes, he comes in, and he yells out to Betty. He's like, "Betty, come here!" And when she sees that he has something wrapped in plastic, she's super excited. <laughs> yeah, so they start they start tearing open the plastic, and uh, and, and well, and well, this happens. That's them tearing open the plastic. It's not what it sounds like. <laughs> that's them. Fucking like man, maniacs. No. <laughs> Let me paint the picture of what's occurring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this weird music is playing as they kind of massage the goopy skin of this corpse. It's really disgusting. It's really gross. And that music is actually really disturbing. Yeah. Which I suppose is appropriate. It works for the scene. Well, not as amusing as when they have like romantic music playing. Yeah. Well, no, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, well, the, the musical cues in this movie are probably my favorite thing about the entire right? film. Is like there are some really inspired musical cues. Now, the next thing that happens is something I read about well before I ever saw it, and I mean, most of us did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when but, I read it, all I could think was, I was like, "There's no way <laughs> that this movie." does this. Now, you might think, those of you listening at home who have only maybe a very general idea of what necromantic is all about, you might think, okay, so they're going to fuck the corpse. Yeah, you don't really understand what they're going to do. Because <laughs> the thing about this corpse, like, you're a dude, right, and you want to fuck a corpse, it's probably not that hard to do, right? Yeah. But if you're a lady exactly. and you want to fuck a corpse, you're in kind of a unique situation. What are you supposed I mean, his stuff is not going to be working for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they do something kind of inspired. Yes. Um, they, they, there's a scene. I, and I, now, the funny thing is, is when they cut to the scene of him cutting that dowel, you know, um, I I thought in my brain, I was thinking this is supposed to be symbolic. Right. You know, like I thought they were doing a cutaway to show, you know, because obviously the piece of wood that he's cutting looks like a dick, you know, has a very phallic look. Sure. And then, uh, and then they jam it into the torso of the <laughs> of the corpse, slap a condom on that bitch, and fuck it. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> so, yes, 
They jam like this. This yeah, they jam it into the corpse because the corpse doesn't have a penis anymore. Yeah. Then they put a condom on it very slowly, very erotically, <laughs> and she starts riding this cock. This yeah. quotation marks cock. While Robert is kind of uh, going to town on her. Yeah. So and they're, they're not holding back. They're they're yeah. all over this corpse. Yeah. And they're like he, kissing it. Like Robert is kissing it. Uh, you, and he's, you, you know, you know what, you know what I thought was really funny is like, like, I like as as much of a, as 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 much of a hard time as I had watching the rabbit scene. Right. I had a significantly harder time watching this scene because they like because they go for it to such an extent. Yeah. It's like it's like even in scenes where people are working with like a goopy effects type corpse in movies, people usually are staying away from it and like hesitant to touch it. But this, in this case, not only do they kiss it, there's a part where Robert sucks its eyeball out. Out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and let's, let's hear some of the music. Cause the music in the scene is amazing. This, and this is what I was saying before. This is the music that they promoted the film with. Right. <laughs> it's so good, though, you know? Yeah, it's also literally supposed to represent that this is the peak of their relationship together, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is them sharing something that is incredibly unique and special to them. This is uh, their springtime. Like, the music sounds like a walking... Fucking corpse! <laughs> sucking its eyeball out! Okay. <laughs> It's pretty beautiful stuff. It's very tender. Yeah, it's all, that, that, that's what gets me is that is just how tender it is. It's such a it's such a uh, like an an emotional sort of like happy song. But meanwhile, I mean, they're literally fucking a corpse while yes. the song is playing. Intensely fucking yeah. a dead body. Yeah. Um, so speaking of tender, they quickly cut to uh, to them tenderizing meat. <laughs> Tenderizing a big piece of meat A giant piece of meat that they proceed to try to cook In a pan that's literally three sizes too small for Three sizes too small It's, it's yeah. totally going over the edge of the pan <laughs> Like they had to fold it in half But it, it like the, this scene It's 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 really gross <laughs> It's kind of the perfect cut when you think about it It is, it absolutely is Because yeah. you get this close up of this meat I mean, <laughs> for those of you who have ever seen that poster for Hostel 2 Which is just sort of like a big side of meat yeah. Uh, it's 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 that kind of idea, right? At this point, <laughs> these people indulge in this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you see the two of them kind of eat meat together while the corpse is hanging on the wall next to these pornographic pictures. Fucking draining. Yeah, it's draining. They have like this big bowl underneath it to catch all of its leavings. Ugh. So is everyone having fun? <laughs> I'm like sh- shuddering over here. I mean, it's... It's inspired, right? It's, yeah, it is. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, and, and that's why, I, like, I really do have a very mixed emotions about this movie because I did find it incredibly boring, um, and I did find a lot of the scenes really incredibly stupid. But <laughs> the scenes that are on point are so on point that it almost makes up for the rest of the movie. It also justifies its reputation because it, it's... Without a doubt. Yeah. It, this isn't one of those things where, oh, it's a movie about dead bodies. It's something like, like Kissed or something like that where it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's treated with a, a modicum of uh, 
of taste and respect. But no, that's no. not what's going to happen here. No, no we're going to play some romantic music while they fuck. Yeah, and boy, <laughs> do they fuck. So uh, back to work, back to uh, the street cleaning agency. Uh, Bruno is really on Rob's ass because uh, he goes in the the place stinks because he left his overalls in his. Uh, I love I love that that's all it takes to fire the guy. You left your overalls in your thing over the weekend. Now our locker room smells. You're fired. <laughs> yeah, they get Robert is about to get fired, so his uh, long dark night of the soul is about to occur. <laughs> but what's really interesting about this is that they cut back to his house. Where uh, Betty is, she's reading romance novels out loud. Yeah. While snuggling with the corpse. Yep. Naked. Naked. And in fact, um, the <laughs> uh, she makes the, the uh, corpse uh, go down on her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't quite know how that works, but sure. It, however it works, it works. It works. So She, she enjoys it. She's, she's really into this dead body. Yeah, and we find out just how into it fairly soon, actually. Mm-hmm. So, so Robert finds out that he is fired from his job, and he is devastated. Now, this is why the movie, to me, is so interesting. That uh, up to this point, they just seem sort of like deviants, if you can, you know. I mean, we don't know that much about them, but I think their lifestyle would be considered deviant in some way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the thing that happens next is very representative of a more traditional kind of film, right? Actually, Where, actually, yeah. Her reaction to, to him getting fired is brilliant. Yes. Yeah. She's, she is pissed at him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's pissed at him for, at, for getting fired, which, I mean, of course, is a, is a fairly, you know, typical uh, or stereotypical response from a woman. But what she says to him <laughs> makes me laugh. Like just thinking about it, where she points to the corpse and she goes, she goes, that thing's not going to last forever, you know. And she's more worried about like where they're going to find other corpses to fuck, you know. And and I mean, she, like normally that you know the idea is the woman gets pissed off because like where where are you going to find money, you know? But no, 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 no. Betty is pissed off because she's worried that that the corpse isn't going to last that much longer. And she yeah. wants to fuck corpses. And, and really, for a guy who's into necrophilia, his job was really the perfect job. <laughs> yeah, he had the perfect job. I mean, all and all he had to do was just was just you know clean out his locker. That's all he had to do. Mo, wh- how do you feel about cats? H- how do I feel about cats? Yes, um, I'm you know I'm more of a dog person myself, but mm-hmm. I don't have anything against cats. Right, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with cats, yeah. obviously. I own two of them. I'm sure some listeners have heard them in the background during some of our recordings. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I can say, you might remember, uh, and we might have brought up on the show previously, that my wife really loves cats. Yeah. Really a big fan of cats. And well, what now she and di- forever. What she dislikes uh, a lot is seeing films where animals are hurt in some way. Yeah. She would not have cared to watch... <laughs> <laughs> and not just because of the beautiful, sweet-looking bunny rabbit and what occurred to him, but also because of what's about to occur. <laughs> so Robert comes home, and this is supposed to be... We don't know how much time has passed. I like to think it's the very next day. <laughs> I like, yeah, exactly. I, 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 I assumed it was the next day. He comes home with like a cat in like a, uh, like a wooden cat carrier thing. Like a wicker. Yeah, like yeah. it's made out of wicker, that's right. And he finds a Dear John letter. <laughs> a dear Yorg letter. That's right, and it says uh, that she took the old friend 
with her. And he looks immediately to where they hang the corpse, yeah. and there's a big stain on I the wall. I love the stain on the wall. <laughs> so he brought this cat home, I guess, to kind of, um, you know, kind of calm her a little and to reaffirm their relationship. But now he doesn't have a person to have a relationship with. And no, he does not have sex with the cat, because that would be gross. <laughs> Instead, he kind of lights some candles and he plays with the cat. Yeah, I mean, what, what is this? What's, what's this, zoo? No. I love, I love that my note here... <laughs> For what happens next is, boy, Jill would not like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that's accurate. That's one hundred percent accurate. Uh, um, we all, folks, we're only laughing because of. I mean this. This thank, gets a, thankfully this scene's not graphic in the like, in the depiction. You know, like the first thing he does, he, he takes the heart that he put into a jar earlier and takes it out and he feeds it to the cat. Yeah, and I, the thing I love about this is now it's is how it's obviously been cooked. Yes, it has. <laughs> the cat loves it. He's going to town. I gotta tell you, man, I've had heart before. It's good. I've had chicken hearts and stuff when I was a kid. I, I, I had, hated uh, them. Well, I I used to have a sister in law who uh, used to like to feed me weird stuff and see if I would react poorly to it. You know, uh-huh. and, you know, like because Jamaican food is is very weird. Like they eat a lot of things that that white folk would consider weird, like oxtail and. Oh, like, I love goat. oxtail. And, yeah, I love oxtail too. But you know, or like goat um, sure. or. Cow heart, you know, which most people, or tongue, you know, which most people mm-hmm. won't eat. And so she gave me, like, this slab of meat and said, here, eat this. And I'm like, all right. So I started eating it. And she, I'm like, yeah, it's tough. What is this, heart? And she goes, how'd you know? I'm like, you know, because it's heart. I mean, how am I? Yeah, like, you're not going to mistake that for something else. It's yeah. tough. It's just one big, tough muscle as that <laughs> it's guy. It's a big, tough muscle. Exactly. <laughs> well, I listen to Captain Beefheart, so that's nice. Something. Um, so while he's feeding this cat, he's also burning burning pictures of Betty. This is a bad breakup for him. Bad to a very massive extent, because out of frustration or anger or whatever, and we've all been there, he takes uh, the cat and he puts it into a bag, and he uh, slams it against the wall. Just starts swinging it. And kills, and I mean, he totally kills this cat, but totally luckily, like you said, it is not particularly graphic. It's just horrible. Yeah, it's really unpleasant, but it, but thankfully it's all done, quote unquote, inside the bag. So you know. it's in the bag. So it's in uh, the bag. <laughs> and he takes an, he takes a bath, and we get to and he's naked. We get to see it. Great. <laughs> While the the corpse of the cat is sort of perched above him on like a rack, and like its blood is dripping into the bathtub. Yeah. And then he takes a knife, which is jutting out of the cat. And he pulls out some of the cat's organs and rubs them on himself while he's in the tub. Yeah, this scene's pretty gross, too. Is it? I Is thought it? so. <laughs> Described like that, I wouldn't have thought it would be too gross at all. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I, 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 had a, I had a big problem with this scene. You know, like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's just, it was just really icky. I mean, I think that there's an element to, like, the theme of the entire film, which is that his inability to feel anything, like, he only gets any sort of pleasure, whether it be uh, the, the rush uh, uh, or the thrill of, of uh, being part of something or even, like, a romantic feeling from death of some kind. So mm-hmm. he has to, like, all he can kill in this case is a cat, yeah. so he needs to kind of literally rub himself into it, but uh, it's it doesn't seem to be working for him. It just doesn't work without Betty. Yeah, exactly. The next scene that happens is, I think, its most direct... Uh, I think it's, it's the most directly humorous scene. 
Uh-huh. Uh, but it's also kind of the more direct sort of like condemnation, I think, of people who like movies like this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. It definitely. Um, look, all I know is that is that I want to live in a country where I can get a beer at my movie theater. That's all I know. Well, you do. You do live in a country where those. Yeah, exist. Oh, you're right. You're right. I wish I lived in a state that wasn't run by that, that wasn't founded by fucking Puritans. Where I could get a beer after 9 p.m. or on a Sunday. <laughs> you need to move to Austin, Texas, apparently. You know, I got to tell you, man, it was... Actually, to be honest with you, there is a there is one... There is a theater in, in New Haven that, that does have uh, that does have beer. Um, but you have to go to a showing pre-9 o'clock to, to oh, get right. it. Oh, my gosh. It's like, just give me a fucking break. So Robert goes to see a movie. He goes to see a violent-looking slasher movie called, called Vera, I believe. Vera, yeah. Um, and uh, he uh, he goes in late, but he gets a ticket and a beer and um, and goes into this, uh, you know, rockin' and rollin' movie theater where the people are very enthused by what they're seeing on the screen. It's a very sexualized violence. Well, I love, I yeah, yeah. I really, I really dig the fact that there's like people like making out. Like as know? soon as as soon as it gets explicit, where the 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 killer in this movie is kind of torturing a woman with a knife, and uh, and we and he like tears her shirt open. Yeah, because when he comes in, because when he comes in, he, she's just sort of being like chased and menaced a little bit, and then when he finally catches her and he and he rips her shirt open and slices across her chest, that's when we start seeing like couples making out and stuff, and it's just like what a weird fucking movie. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, obviously they're making a uh, a, a comparison there to the kind of couples that would would get off on that sort of thing, but Robert can't because he's already reached a level that's well above that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is all a little boring compared to the kind of shit he gets up to. What with the cat murder? <laughs> <laughs> what with the corpse fucking? And, and the all. corpse fucking. Uh, his parents would be so proud. <laughs> yeah. Actually, my favorite part of this scene was the guy who kept fucking with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he sits down in front of this dude and he like slaps the dude. Like the dude slaps him on the head. And, like he has to move over <laughs> and then like and then like starts and then tries to pick a fight with him as he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's an intense young man. <laughs> what a douche. So uh, Robert goes home. He's in a very bad mental place at this moment. Uh, not as bad as it gets, but bad. Yeah. <laughs> so he takes a bunch of pills and he drinks a lot and then he falls asleep. And he has a dream, a very unusual dream, uh, about a, a, a like a corpse of himself yeah, coming out like of him a- as a corpse coming out of. Uh, uh, well, let's just, let, let's call a spade a spade here. A trash bag. Yes, uh, a body bag. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not a body trash. bag, it's a straight up <laughs> trash bag, you know, and uh, and then and then you know and then a a woman walks up to him with a box, and there's a head in the box. I think it's supposed to be Betty who. who gives oh, is him it? The box. Well, I it's, so. it's not a very good representation, but it's but but there's a head in the box. And was it a box? Yeah, was it a box? But uh, but then they start like then they start like throwing the head back and forth. Yeah, playing with it. And then, and then, and then my, and then one of my favorite moments in the entire film happens next when he starts frolicking around <laughs> and like swinging this giant piece of like, like I don't know if it's supposed to be like meat and intestines and yeah. stuff or whatever it's supposed to be. Um, he's swinging them over his head like he's like it's the best thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like he's like a little kid with like a hoop and a stick, you know. 
I'm having so much fun! Yay! I mean, this is a person who can only find happiness and pleasure in his life through, like, body parts and bodies. (laughs) And specifically Betty in some some capacity. (laughs) Well, he's going to be in luck. (laughs) Yeah, well, later. So he's still trying to replace Betty uh, to some extent. So what we see him do next is go to a prostitute. Yeah, we see a bunch of hookers standing around, you know, to to use the vernacular slang. Um and they're talking about, you know, their their previous Johns and how like, mm-hmm. like an old smelly guy or whatever. And, That's right. And, and you know, <laughs> um and he he picks one of them up and uh he, and he, 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 he you see him whisper to her and he's obviously saying that he wants to do something kind of weird and special and she yeah. says, "You'll do it. It'll just cost you more." Yeah, it's like special, that'll cost you. And she's, I mean, i got to give her credit. She's totally okay with them going to a creepy cemetery. Well, they are, I mean, it's Europeans, you know. They're, they're okay with all sorts of weird, freaky shit, apparently. Try to find a German who won't fuck on a tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's what happens, by the way. He takes her, puts her on a gravestone, and he uh, attempts to have uh, relations with her. Yeah. But he I, is... I love, how the, I love how whoever was in charge of the fog machine just... <laughs> Went a little nuts, you know. <laughs> the the lighting, the lighting on this in the cemetery is brilliant, like really well done. I love the lighting, but whoever was doing the fog machine, man, there's just so much fog that there, that there are moments where you almost can't see anything. <laughs> yeah, it's really foggy, it and uh, perhaps it's the fog, perhaps it's the mood, or perhaps <laughs> it's just not the same without Betty because Robert has some trouble, <laughs> some cock trouble. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. He has some cock trouble. Um, apparently, he just can't get it up in this t- sort of situation. Uh, and she uh, she laughs at him. Which, by the way, to all the prostitutes that are uh, male or female who might be listening, uh, men who might have trouble getting an erection, they don't like to be laughed at. Well, I mean, I do. That's actually how I get an erection. Well, I mean, it works for somebody, <laughs> but let's just consider that a unique situation. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 the exception, not the rule. Uh, Robert does, and unlike Mo, does not like being laughed at, mm-hmm. and he calls her a "see you next Tuesday." <laughs> wah, wah. And then he chokes her to death, and uh, the 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 kind of visceral thrill he gets from it, and the fact that she's now a corpse, must really do it for him because he fucks that corpse. He has fun, 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 till the daddy takes the corpse away. Yeah, it's it's too bad Beach Boys never wrote a song about. Uh, they should have. They should. Yeah, they would have gone over big. This would have been almost to their Kokomo periods. So <laughs> <laughs> would have been quite an interesting song. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm fucking a corpse. <laughs> Brian Wilson, you deviant. So the next morning. <laughs> Robert, who decide I guess he got really sleepy after fucking the corpse. He has fallen asleep in the graveyard <laughs> uh, next to the corpse and has been found by a groundskeeper. And uh, the groundskeeper... <laughs> yeah, that was weird, though. Like, like I mean, I, the ground... I don't. Did the groundskeeper just, like, drop his shovel? Because it really just seemed like... It seemed to me like the groundskeeper was trying to help him. Uh, it, it, I don't know. I, it's, it's it's hard because there isn't really any dialogue explaining it. Yeah. But the important thing to know is that there is a shovel, and that Robert picks it up, and he slices off the top of this guy's skull. And it's the best special effect in the film. It's Yeah, it's, it is. And it's also the moment in the film where you suddenly think, wait a second, 
is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a very, it's, it's very uh, Peter Jackson-esque. Yeah, this is a very bad taste moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and and that's fine. Uh, and in fact, it, it just it, it it is kind of weird just because it was such a dark thing that happened before. And of course, someone getting their head sliced in half is dark as well. But it's more comic book y than the rest of the violence in the movie. Uh huh. <laughs> so uh, Robert runs off, and uh, he has what I would call an epiphany of some sort, um, because he starts to examine a centipede, and he's looking at like nature. And he's like he's like on a hill, and he he sees the birds, and he ha- kind of reevaluates his life to some extent, and he has an epiphany, and the music wells up, the the romantic music from earlier, because he knows exactly. It actually cuts to for a second. I don't know why it cuts to. I don't know if it's a dream or whatever. Him getting like a metal cross and affixing like a metal Jesus to it. Yeah. And then the the, the Jesus starts to bleed like stigmata style really from weird. his hands. Yeah, it but makes he, no sense. Yeah, so then he looks like really happy, and he sees a kite fly off, and he knows what to do. I love, I love that like they, they cut to him like running and yelping in delight, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, you know, and he's like kicking up like you know he's kicking up grass, and and he's like super happy. This is his eureka moment. It now, really you, is. Now, Mo, you and I, uh. we're men of the world, so there have been times in our life where we probably have been very happy. And we might have gotten a realization, maybe there was a problem that we were struggling with, and we suddenly realize, it just becomes crystal clear, this is how we're going to deal with this problem. And you have that kind of internal elation. Well, usually you would follow that up with uh, immediately kind of getting to that solution, and yeah. it would probably be something very positive. Well, Robert goes home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he knows, he knows what he has to do. He knows what he has to do. He needs to lay in bed, you see. <laughs> you see. You'll see. You see, uh, and he grabs a knife. <laughs> okay, and uh, uh, <laughs> he undoes his pants. Uh, All right, it's so gross. Right, and he takes down his pants, and he has a knife, and uh, he has a knife and an erection. Okay, he really does have an erection. A visible and firm dick hole like erection. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the most realistic dick in the world, but it's an erection. It's it's better than ant farm dick. Yes, it is because it actually looks like it could be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts to stab himself in the stomach uh, And as he does that As he does this kind of <laughs> Masturbatory motion towards his own stomach He uh, Starts squirting Yeah He starts to spew ropes of jizz <laughs> Just arcs of jizz <laughs> It's really fucking gross Like, And it goes on way longer than it should um, But you know But hey you know good for him man if he can do something that's going to make him come that much, good for him. But, I mean, you want to talk about the visual of this kind of, of confluence of sex and violence. Yeah. He is masturbating by stabbing himself to death. Yeah. And yeah, he is like, coming. I, yeah, we, like, we should we should make that a little bit more clear. You know, I mean, like, you had said he's doing a masturbatory sort of motion with the knife. Like, he's, like, slicing himself up from yeah. the inside, you know. Yeah. yeah. And to the point where the cum uh, turns to blood... <laughs> Hashtag blood and cum. Blood and cum, yeah. So he starts to cum blood. And in case that wasn't disturbingly gross enough for you, it also cuts to... uh, Thankfully, I'm done eating for the day. (laughs) It cuts to the rabbit that we saw 
killed earlier. And so it's uh, going backwards. Backwards. It's all being undone. All the organs go back in. All the, the, the skin goes back on. Uh, all the it gets, blood sucks back in. All the blood gets sucked back in, and the yeah. rabbit is fine again. The skin gets reattached. Everything is okay in the world of Robert Schmatke because he came blood yeah. and died. And he really died because the next thing we see and the very last thing we see is his tombstone. Is his tombstone and his freshly dug grave. And it's like, it's a combination of, you know, he's finally found peace. Nope. Nope. Do you want a party? <laughs> <laughs> no, we see a, uh, a high-heeled foot uh, uh, pushing a, uh, a shovel into the grave. Starts digging. Oh, that Betty. And Betty's there to get the corpse. And whoa, that's... Black Betty. Ram a lamb. Whoa, Black Betty. Ram a corpse. So, which, by the way, sets up the sequel to Necromantic, Necromantic Two: The Return of the Loving Dead, uh, which I haven't seen. I haven't either. And I've heard it's it's actually considerably better. That's what I hear as well. So no, I, I have to say, even though I'm I know most, rush to go watch it though. To be honest, <laughs> even though you didn't have the most. Uh, enjoyable experience with this film. And the way that we described it, I don't see how anyone could have too much of an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Uh, I am very, I, I very know, curious. I know a couple of people. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen uh, some of, of Jörg uh, Bucherite's uh, other films. Um, and yeah, I've, I've seen a bunch of his other stuff. I just I just haven't seen Necromantic 2 or 3 yet. But I mean, I've seen Das Todes King. I've seen There's no Sword. 3, is there? There's 3. Is there? Yeah. I don't know if there is. I believe there's a 3. Oh, I'll look it up. We could you can look keep, it up right now. You keep talking. I'll look it up. All right. No, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. No, I don't think you're right. <laughs> maybe you are. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure there's only two. Um, but yes, no, I, I have seen some of his other films, and I know that his films get more complex, and uh, certainly, no, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say more interesting, but uh, certainly a lot more polished. Yeah. As, as they kind of would have to be. This is a very low-budget film. Uh, so I am curious to see the sequel because I want to see where he sort of progressed. I mean, this was his introduction to uh, not really mainstream audiences, but to cult audiences. Uh, and this is the movie that he's still most well-known for, I would say. Yeah. It's sort of infamous uh, because it's banned still in lots of parts of the world. In fact, on the Wikipedia page, it says that it's still banned here in Ontario, so, oops. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I shouldn't have been watching it, but guess what? This is 2013. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the borders, they mean so much. But, uh, but yeah, now this, this, as you can imagine, was an incredibly controversial film. film. The fact that it even got like a, a, a release on VHS... That was available in some places is kind of amazing, just because the content is so extreme. No, you're right. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. It's a crazy movie, made for crazy people like you and myself. No, though apparently more myself than you. <laughs> well, well, that's what I was saying. Like I like I've liked his other movies more. You know, I mean, and we and we've talked about uh, possibly covering Shram. Right and Dirtatus uh, King and Dirtatus King and, and I've liked and I've liked both of those I really have uh, obviously like I said we haven't seen two you know Necromantic two yet but I mean I don't know man I don't know though I would say of the films of his that I've seen um, the one that most resembles the sort of ultra low budget micro budget films that we cover would be Necromantic that's sure. the that, this is this is one that was literally made for well 
you know, it came out in 1987, so it's shot on, I think, 16 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's always going to be a cost involved if you're shooting on film, but um, but it's still outside of the makeup effects. This is not a costly yeah. enterprise, right? Did this you catch? A- did you catch the uh, the Yorg cameo? Uh, he was one of the uh, yep. the pe- people who worked. Yeah, I did, and I know what he looks like because he's actually been interviewed on uh, Daily Grindhouse. So uh, I recognized his face, which I was very proud of because generally all German people look the same to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm actually friends with him on Facebook. Yeah, so. and me too. Yeah, but so. I mean, what does that mean these days? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean much, but I mean, but yeah, he's always posting weird shit. <laughs> Well, and I it's can always imagine. in German, so I never know what it says. <laughs> well, uh, we're not trying to say that uh, that he enjoys. Uh, actually, that's actually interesting that you bring it up because I was looking at his filmography uh, at doing the research, the due diligence, as I love to do it. Of course, uh, and I noticed that he actually um, directed an episode of the sci-fi series Lex, Lex the yeah. Dark Zone, which uh, I, that was a Canadian co-production. Lex was, and it stars a lot of Canadian actors. In fact, one of the lead actors is from Newfoundland, my home province. Um, but that's really interesting because that's his one credit that isn't like German. Yeah, was this sci-fi series? Like, how the fuck did they end up getting him, <laughs> of all people, to direct an episode of it? It's kind of amazing. That's actually yeah. I was gonna say that's actually a story I would a story I would <laughs> I would like to hear. Yeah, and in fact, some people on Twitter were telling me about this episode, and it sounds particularly interesting because Lex was a pretty twisted show anyway. Mm. I, yeah, I saw a couple episodes. I never really got too into it, but I don't know. Maybe I, I, mean, I definitely want to check out the episode that he did, though. Yes, indeed. indeed. So that was Necromantic. Mo, you didn't enjoy it very much. I just found it really boring. You know? <laughs> Curse of death. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. It's like, it, it, you know, and so... And so, like, if I'm bored while I'm watching a movie, then, like, so all these negative emotions run through me. But, but I mean, but I do agree. It's just another one of those things where it's like, you know, we both liked the same things. We both disliked sure. the same things. But ultimately, I just liked it a little less than you did. It's also a film that I think that even even if you kind of know you're not going to like it going in, it's sort of good to see it. Absolutely. Be- because it is, it is, for one thing, it's very representative of the kind of um, extreme filmmaking of that time that really like in the 90s you would read about it and be so curious and uh, I mean it, it really I mean this might be a nostalgia thing just for people of our generation sure. but at that time period it really did seem like one of those out there arty bizarre impossibly distant films uh, and it and well it's definitely one of the films that got me into cult film I mean it's, yes it's, it's like between between I think necromantic might have been might have been the third film I rented right from the from the video shop that that had it um, the first film that I rented was begotten right so I mean you know if that gives you an idea of where my mind was at the time <laughs> but I but I think begotten is a far better example of, of shocking cinema sure you know uh, at the time. Uh, and, and, I mean, it, it, despite the fact that uh, Necromantic might be a little overlong or at least stretched out, it is only 75 minutes long. It's yeah, not like, it's not incredibly long. It's just that... We've like, seen films that have been padded a lot worse. Well, here's the thing, is that Jörg Butgreit does, uh, does really great short films. Mm-hmm. You know, like, his short films are some of the best I've ever seen. You know, and, like, the fact that, like, he did this as a full-length film, like, he really should have done this as a short film, and it would have right. been perfect. And then he could have done Necromantic 2 as a full length. Because Necro- from by all accounts, Necromantic 2 works as a film. Right. But, you know, but I think the first one just would have worked a lot better if it was, like, if it was 45 minutes or, like, 50 minutes would have been perfect. 
I read a review that described Necromantic as a moist film, and I think that's very it's a very good word Pretty to accurate, use. Yeah. yeah, it's very moist. It's There's a lot of gooey, a stuff. layer of goo over the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, I think that that despite the fact that our reactions were different, our final kind of thought is sort of the same, which is that you might not enjoy the experience of watching it, yeah. but you should probably see it. If no, I think is... everybody should watch it. Well, not everybody. No, I think everybody <laughs> should watch it. Jill just passed by and she gave the the classic uh, not me look. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well everybody but Jill should watch. It. No, I, I definitely think it's one of those films that I think that I, I mean any any here. How about this? I think anybody who would call themselves a fan of the cinema should watch it because it's it's sort of I'm a big fan of that dirty underbelly of, of film. And I think I think this is a great example of a certain era of that kind of filmmaking, and you know, and, and, and although I personally think that the that the CD underbelly of like the 30s through like the 60s sure. was a lot more interesting, mm-hmm. um, this is a great example of the CD underbelly of the 80s filmmaking, and it might be the last generation of it is it's yeah, the last generation of film that could be could feel dangerous exactly like exactly because, because at this point you know something. I mean, the fact is, the Serbian film is a lot more extreme than necromantic. But yeah. uh, you know, you, you, when you're watching something in widescreen on your widescreen television that you just downloaded yeah. uh, in an uncut form, it's not the same as having to sort of dig for no. it. No, no, exactly. The, the big problem, and one of my biggest issues, and has been for a while, with where cinema is now, is we live in the culture of all things at all times. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that you know, when you live like that, nothing is special anymore. You know, right. like, 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 it's like when everything is special, nothing is special. The funny thing is we are, I like to think, and maybe, I mean, others who are listening might disagree. I feel like we're in the last location where something like that could occur, which is that really on the fringes, yeah. really people making films just with a group of people that, you know, that they know uh, for, for almost no money, because as soon as you, money enters into it, I mean, no one's going to make, let someone make a film like this. <laughs> Anymore? <laughs> what? No, wait, huh? What? I'm just laughing at the glasses clinking in the back. Yeah, that was Jill. She decided she was going to try to be quiet and said, "Kick the fucking thing." <laughs> and instead, I'm going to throw all the glasses in the sink. No, that, that's fine. Whatever. Uh, no, but you're right. You're right. It's uh, you know, you're right. We we are the, the fringes of society where where films like this are are being made. Um, you're right. It's it's you know, and the problem is is that it does take a certain amount of money. You know, to do the sort of things that are realistically shocking, you know, um, and so so a lot of the stuff that we watch it ends up failing because it just it just doesn't get its point across, right? I, I but I think I think I, I I think something like this really does. Like where it succeeds, it succeeds. I I I always think back to the fact that the documentary about the making of necromantic and and actually it covers that film uh and a couple of more of uh Budigait's fil- uh, films uh is called Corpse Fucking Art yep. which if you're going to title a documentary that then you already know the kind of audience that is going to seek that sort of thing exactly. out right this is not made for everybody but the people <laughs> who it was made for are the people who eat this shit up yep and shit eating is one of the few things that doesn't occur. <laughs> and it's German, so Although that's weird. I was say, it's pretty popular in in German porn, from what I hear. 
from what you hear. Well, uh, that's our thoughts on Necromantic. Uh, and I, again, it's not hard to find. So uh, seek it out, check it out. And uh, it's possible that in the future we'll cover another of, uh, of his films, but uh, it'll probably be a little while. Exactly. Mo. Yes. Uh, before we, uh, we do our usual plugs, what film should we cover next on the No Budget Nightmares podcast? You know, it's funny. We just talked about it, and I don't remember. What oh, we you don't? don't. <laughs> well, uh, not to give anything away, but yes, we did talk about it, and we had made a decision in a professional way. <laughs> Surprising, you know, given who we are. Now, yeah, we have. I mean, I think we made a conscious decision to sometimes seek out some of the classics of the no-budget genre. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it. One of the things people have been kind of recommending that we cover films from the last couple of years, but I feel like a little bit of emotional and uh, and kind of chronological distance is probably a good thing. So we're actually going to go with another classic, uh, the next go around, and that would be 1988's Cannibal Campout. That's right. That's what we said. John McBride. John McBride, uh, co-directed by with Tom Fisher, but uh, very... I mean, it's a movie that I, I think it's actually has a, a, a special edition DVD release. What a weird Well, it, did, it does, and it's also part of the basement box set. Yes, that's yeah. right. So uh, so it's, it, it is pretty commonly available, uh, but it's it's uh, of that era of... I remember, I, this isn't doesn't have quite the notoriety of something like Necromantic, but it is certainly a, a film that a lot of people know and have, uh, have strong opinions about. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, and speaking of, of John McBride, I, I don't think it has the notoriety of some of, some of other, some other of, of his films, you know. Right. But, uh, but it's, but it's such a fun movie, so I, I think, I think we're going to have just a blast with it. And... With, it has the classic tagline, friends don't let friends eat friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, from one taboo, Fucking dead bodies to another one, eating bodies. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yes, we break we break down all barriers here on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. We sure do. Mo, if uh, someone listening, uh, God willing, wants to uh, find out what's going on with the podcast, be part of the community, keep up on what we're doing, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, in all honesty, the best way for them to do that would be to just follow the group. Uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash no budget nightmares. Right. That's the, that's the best way. That's number one. That's a number one uh, way to keep up on things. And you get to contribute then because you can promote, say a film of your own, or you can talk about your favorite, no budget films or favorite episodes of the no budget nightmares podcast. Yeah. You might over promote. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, we do, we do have some. (laughs) <laughs> Some serious promotion going on, but whatever, you know. I will not judge you, no. though I'll be honest, I did delete one message where a guy tried to promote the same thing twice in one day, and I was like, mm. no, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, we will rule it with an iron fist, just saying. Yeah, but maybe, uh, but maybe. it's still it's a great place for conversation. You get to see there's some of the, the filmmakers that we've covered on the show. They post regularly there, uh, and, and it's just a fun spot to have a conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, if they did... If that wasn't enough for them, if they went there and they're like, oh, this is good, but what I really want is to see what Doug ate for dinner today. <laughs> um, well, in that case, they could go to your live webcam, which, <laughs> which is which is at com slash Doug Tilly. That's right. Uh, T-I-L-L-E-Y. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I wish that was a real thing, though. That'd be <laughs> hilarious um, and disturbing. 
Uh, no, no. You can, obviously uh, you are very big on Twitter. Mm. Uh, you uh, are a twit. I am. Very good. <laughs> Thank you, Mo. Uh, what's that? I'm blushing. <laughs> you have. You are a rapier twit. Hmm. Um, and you are at the at Doug underscore Tilly T I L L E Y. Oh, very good. And you are at Drunk on VHS because tis, you. Tis true. Because you have another podcast. I do. Which is Drunk on VHS. <laughs> so everyone listening to this should listen to that as well. If you want to get a little bit more Mo or yeah. a little bit more of some of the special guests that surround our specific band of podcasters. Yeah, I've finally been uh, been promoted on the uh, on the Couch Cutter page to where I can actually make my own posts. Wow. So, yeah. Yay! <laughs> uh, really, all that means is that Dave finally got around to actually adding me. So, um, so, so now... Uh, Posting of the show will be on a more regular basis, but I did just recently find out that the last episode, which I personally posted to the Libsyn account, uh, so it's on iTunes, but not on Couch Cutter, so I have to go in and, and, and add that as well. That's the way... Uh... That's the way the world works. That's the way the cookie you get, crumbles. If you if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. Exactly. And lastly, we'll say if anybody wants to email us, not that anybody ever really does. Um, although we do seem to get random emails from Robert Long. But, yeah, we love Rob. Uh, yeah, no, no, we nothing against Rob. I, actually, I want Rob. If you're listening to this, and because I, I know you listen every now and again, um, if you're listening to this, I need you to draw a picture of me and Doug sharing an ice cream in front of the Eiffel Tower. I okay. Need, I need that. In uh, fact, I I would accept a picture of that exact same thing from any listener with our with I was gonna say with artistic talent or with none. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, let's let's make that a challenge. <laughs> any listener uh, who wants to draw a picture of me and Doug sharing an ice cream in front of the Eiffel Tower, make it two scoops. Two. It's got to be, <laughs> but one spoon. Um, <laughs> All tongue for me. Send send that to us, and you can send that to nobudgetnightmaresdg at gmail.com. Perfect. Sounds good. Perfecto. Perfecto. Watch anything good this week? Hey, you asked me before I asked you. (laughs) Uh, I did watch something not good. (laughs) Yeah, me too, man. Some uh, it's 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 nobody's fault except uh, Ashley Montgomery's. no Budget Nightmare super fan Ashley Montgomery, who co-hosts the Above the Line podcast with me. She um, currently we're doing a thing where she is going to pick a film that she thinks I'm going to hate, and then I'm going to pick a movie that she is going to hate. Uh, and she picked the film Grease, 1978's Grease. I don't know how anybody could hate Grease. The thing is, I have a younger sister, so I saw that movie dozens of times when I was a kid. Anyway, yeah, but I have an older sister who like was. You know who was really into that sort of crap too, but that didn't affect it. I love Grease, man. I don't love it. Uh, how, can, how can you hate any movie that Eddie Deason is in? Well, the Eddie Deason is sort of—he's uh, sort of—he's—he's um, <laughs> he's at the beginning, he's at the end, and he makes like an appearance in the middle. But it yeah, just isn't really there. Isn't much. enough of him. That's my problem with the movie. He should have been the main character. No, he should I have gotten at least entirely. one song. Fuck, yeah, fuck, fuck, uh, fuck, John Travolta. The entire movie should have been Eddie Deason. Yeah. Summer loving <laughs> happens so fast. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, aside from the Deason, uh, there are some elements. Well, obviously, I'll get my opportunity to talk about that <laughs> in an upcoming episode. But yes, I did see that recently. I saw the film Oblivion, the uh, Tom Cruise science fiction film, and I thought it was okay, but was 
it takes from so many other films. Yeah, <laughs> that it's uh, it's really nice looking. It's from the director of that uh, the Tron sequel, but who, who, uh, uh, it, it isn't if, very original. I heard. Yeah, I heard. I heard somebody describe it as Wall E, the live action edition. Eh, I wouldn't I, say that. That's and, it's that. And I thought. Accurate. I thought that was kind of funny. I, I, I know was. that it's not entirely accurate. I just thought that was funny. I wish it was a live action Wall E. <laughs> yeah, because at least that's good. No, I, yeah, I saw the trailer for that. The last. Uh, this is how bad it looked to me. I saw it. I saw the trailer for that when I went to go see Oz the Great and Powerful and said, that looked bad. Yeah, I hated the trailers and I wasn't excited at all to see it. I liked it more than I thought I would, but uh, if I never see it again, I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah, that sort of response to me just says, avoid it like the plague. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Because there's really nothing I hate more than a meh movie. But also, I mean, there's a lot of movies that you know are not meh that you could be watching (laughs) while you are stuck. Exactly, exactly. Um, How about you, Mo? No, no, that's pretty... I mean, I've seen some other stuff. I watched some of Hemlock Grove, which... I watched, I, I watched three episodes and shut it off because I fucking hated it. It's fucking horrible. It's I mean, awful. it is real... Like, I'm, I know we have a lot of genre fans listening to this, and um, I know that the reaction... According to Eli Roth's Twitter, people love it. <laughs> but uh, yes, they're but according wrong. to Eli Roth's Twitter, Twitter, people love him. Yeah, and they love that goratorium in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's awful, and it shouldn't exist. <laughs> no, it's just really bad. Like, and the sad thing is, it had promise. Like, there's there was one storyline that was starting to develop when I when I gave up on it that I almost kind of want to finish the 13 episodes just to see where they go with it. But I don't want to have to suffer through everything else. I love yeah. the idea of like a Twin Peaks like town, which yeah, there's, yeah, there's I mean, been, yeah, yeah. Like, so, like, so you got uh, that too. Like from the second it started, like oh, sure. yeah, well, this is obviously fucking Twin Peaks. Except it's Oshawa, Ontario, yeah. I think. But yeah. uh, it's supposed to be tw- like a Twin Peaks-like town where some sort of conflagration has made it so <laughs> classic movie monsters or like those kind of tropes are starting to exist there. So you get a wolfman and a vampire and whatever. I like the idea that they would try to kind of fit that all together into one place in kind of a realistic fashion. I think you could do something really interesting with yeah. that. But this sucks because it's so soap opery and the acting is fucking horrible. You know what the funny thing is? I actually that was actually one of the one of the things I liked the most about it cuz I love melodrama. Sure. Like 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 if I was a girl, I would watch soap operas like it was like they were going out of fucking style. You can watch soap know? operas as a man. Bro. No, no, you really can't, trust me. Okay. Uh, they're not written for men. <laughs> um, but I, but I do love melodrama, and I love the idea of soap operas. Um, but I, I can't actually, I just can't sit and watch them. There's just something right. about them that I don't like. But, um, but, it, but I liked the idea that it was almost like this supernatural soap opera, you know. Yeah, but of but course, it's, it's not Dark Shadows. Yeah, I was gonna say you immediately start comparing it to Dark Shadows, though. Yeah, and it's it's no Dark Shadows. It's not. But anyway, enough of Hemlock Grove. I don't want to give that show. <laughs> any more fucking publicity than than it's already gotten. Um, yeah, I, I watched some stuff. Some good, some not so good. Um, I watched a movie last night. Well, I got together with my with my friends uh, either last night or the night before, and we we watched a, a movie called Critical Mass with uh, with Treat Williams and Udo Kier. Oh, right. You know, and you hear that cast. And and mm. then and then you find out that it's about it's about this uh like this badass um security guard who's like the only thing standing between like this team of terrorists and like taking over like this nuclear power plant or something like that. And you think to yourself, This sounds awesome, right? Fred yeah. Owen Ray directed it. Huh? 
Fred Olin Ray directed. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And you and you add you add all these things in together. Like, that's got to be great. And you think that's got to be great? Nah, it was it was metastic. It was yeah. so it was so mediocre. I was like, man, you know, like Udo Kier was great. Treat Williams was great. Um, I think the uh, the woman. What was her name? Aunt Becky? Was Je- Uncle Jesse's wife on Full House? Was it oh, Lori Laughlin? Yeah, Lori yeah. Laughlin. Right. Um, she was in it. And she looked amazing. She looked absolutely fantastic in it. Um, you know, but uh, but the movie itself was just really uh, like like me me and my uh, my one of the other guys who I was watching the movie with um, fell asleep while we were oh, watching. Really? It just, <laughs> yeah, it was just like. You know, and I, I don't generally fall asleep, not especially not at somebody else's house. Like I'll fall asleep in my own house watching movies all the sure. time. But um, so yeah, so and last weekend uh, I had a guest up for the weekend, uh, Mr. John Cross from the After Movie Diner. Wow! Uh, yeah, he came up to uh, to visit, and so we had like a little movie marathon, and we watched. Um, Battle Royale and oh, right. uh, and we watched Things because he like it's funny John I think John bought Things <laughs> like he bought it on DVD and uh, and he didn't watch it because he wanted to watch it with me you know because because I because I, I I mean I have like the reputation for being like Things fan like super fan number one of course you know? um and then we watched a uh, are you familiar with the Motern Media guys like they I did like Freaky Farley and. Oh, I, no, not not offhand. Okay. Well, we uh, they have three movies out right now, and I had already seen two of them, so me and John watched the other one, which is called Marriage, uh, Monsters, Marriage, and Murder in Mancha Vegas. Right. And it's super silly, really great. Um, actually, I'd really love to co- cover one of their movies on this show at some point, either, I don't know, either Freaky Farley or, uh, or Don't Let the River Beast Get You. Sounds good to me. Um, yeah, they're really, they're really super fun. And then I watched, uh, Marintau. Oh, right. Yeah. Which Did was, you like that? I yeah, love that. So good. Like that, that movie really should have a bigger audience than it has. And you'd think with the popularity of the raid that it would have picked up some extra sort of, you know, footage, but it just didn't seem like it has. Right. And uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's as <laughs> Here's the thing, I like The Raid a lot, obviously. No, no, well The Raid is fantastic. Yeah. It's just that uh there are there's so uh, it's funny that it didn't make more of a splash when it was released because it is has such a that that uh that style of martial arts is so unique looking. The salat, yeah. Yeah, and it's so different than than kind of a traditional even like even Muay Thai. Yeah, even Muay Thai, uh, exactly. Yeah, it, it's very, very different looking. Um, I th- I mean, it, it sometimes watching Marintau, it's sort of like it feels like a, a prep for the raid. Sure, you know? absolutely. But th- that's fine, right? No, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've always felt Ambach felt like prep for the protector. That's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah, but but uh, I, I can I can never remember the guy's name. But the the main character, the guy who's who's really well known for his Salat. Sure. Um, like, I, yeah, he's basically like you know what he is to Salat, what Tony Ja is to is to Muay Thai, and uh, and there and he's just such an incredible fighter. He, I mean, he really is an impressive fighter. And I, like, I, I cannot wait to see like m- him do more action films. Cause sure. I love watching him fight. I like that. He's got with, with Gareth Evans. He has like a, uh, someone who is devoted to showing him off at his best. Yeah. Uh, and is also like a really talented director. So Absolutely. you don't get, you don't get, I mean, and, and that's, that's not a criticism of, um, of, of uh, the thing about Tony Jaa is that his situation got really crazy. <laughs> Sure, <laughs> and and I don't think you can compare the two situations, but no. the hope is 
that with the raid films that we're going to see a lot more of him, right? We're yeah. going to see like th- th- we can get like ten great martial arts films instead of like two and then burning out entirely. <laughs> exactly. By the way, the the guy who wrote um, the 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 Fred Olin Ray film that you were talking about, uh, Critical Mass, mm-hmm. he went on to become he's a director. Wow. Uh, do you remember the movie a few years ago called The Great Buck Howard? I do. Yeah, with uh, with uh, Colin Hanks and John Malkovich, yeah, he directed yeah. that and wow. wrote it. Wow! Yeah, so he went on to do something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, but like, like the idea of the movie had a lot of potential. You know, like, like I mean, we uh, this is how this is how good we thought the movie was going to be. Like we, like I mean, we only we we were going through the on demand thing, and mm-hmm. we only got to see before we stopped. Normally, we go through the whole thing once and then sure. go back again and, and and just look at the movies we had picked previously. No, no, we saw Critical Mass and we said, no, we're done. This is the movie we're going to watch. Hmm. You know, and it just it just turned into a huge disappointment. Sometimes all those great elements do not come together. Sometimes it's hard to be a woman. Sometimes you can't have the blood and come together. <laughs> <laughs> just to bring everything full circle. Mo, we did it. We covered Necromantic and yes, we, we talked did. and talked. We almost got to the length of a regular episode. Yeah, I, yeah. I was gonna say, even with all of our extra bullshit, we still we we're still gonna be under ninety minutes. Sweet. I think wow. people like that. People like it when we're not quite as uh, what's the word vociferous. <laughs> That's a good one. Let's go with that. <laughs> so uh, we will uh, be back with Cannibal Campout in just a few weeks, uh, and of, as always, there's lots of exciting stuff happening in No Budget Nightmares Land. Oh man! And then the next time we record, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because it'll be the first time I'm recording in the new place where mm-hmm. I where I am one of eight people living there so uh and uh I, I should also mention that my room is the living room oh I see so, so yeah so the likelihood of me being able to get two hours of quiet uh is probably gonna be pretty nil so it's well, gonna, Mo, it's I've gonna never be... been able to get 90 minutes of quiet without somebody yeah <laughs> but, but you only have one but you only have one person and I can cut her out real easy so you know, I wish I could yeah <laughs> so that, yeah thankfully I leave for, that in thankfully for uh, yeah I'm totally leaving it in uh thankfully for us though uh, uh three of those people will be asleep by the time we even start recording so Ugh. Uh, I just yeah. I just have to hope that the alcoholic I'm going to be living with uh, isn't going to be barreling out of his room, you know, uh, pissed off and drunk. And although it might make for some interesting shows. Well, uh, with that bit of uh, <laughs> <laughs> with accusations flowing around, it's like no, that. there's no accusations, man. He okay. is he is an alcoholic. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll be looking forward to that on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Good night, everybody. Good night. And now for an extra special bonus, uh, that will be a new weekly feature. Uh, we didn't want to mention it during the show because we didn't know if it was going to happen this week, but everything came together and uh, our good friend, uh, Rue, uh, who you may remember wrote a song for us for our 30th episode, uh, has taken up the monumental task of writing a song based on the movie that we will be covering uh, each, each episode. So, uh, this week, enjoy Necromantic. I wish that you would read me sweet love stories as I sleep. I turn each gentle word you say to visions in the deep. You press against my temple and my eye begins to weep. My heart for you is tender. 
I dreamed that I could keep you in a dozen little jars to keep you safe from trouble, falling trees or crashing cars. And every night I take you out alone among the stars until I read that letter. But from inside out, I'm second best. I love you so, but I'm laid to rest. I know that I can prove that I am far from sick. Like you, my love is tragic. Skin so soft, it very near slides off. Safe from Like a rabbit in a loft. I hope one day that I can seem as good to you as he could be. That you wouldn't have to sacrifice the best years of your life for me. And if I had the courage to stand up for what's right, you see, I know I could do better. But from inside out, I'm second best. I love you so, but I'm laid to rest. I know that I can prove that I am far from sick.